You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. How many of you are looking forward to having tomorrow off? How many of you would have been off anyway tomorrow? A lot of you, okay. Man, it's good to be here. I've been gone the last two weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago, we intended to spend a couple of days away, Annette and I. And then last Sunday, it was not planned. I woke up in Los Angeles on Sunday morning, knew there was no way I was going to get to church on time, just due to travel delays. So, But anyway, I'm glad to be back today. I missed you. I tell people all the time I love this church, and what I'm really saying is that I love you, and I love doing life with you, and I love going on this faith journey with you. I love spending time with you. The greatest frustration is I can't know everybody better. Annette and I work at it constantly. We'll go to lunch with some people today that we don't know because we just want to get to know people. And I love getting to be a part of your lives. The hurricane thing. Wow. Just, I wish they would have picked a different name, to be honest with you, because my last name is Harvey. But my closest friend besides Jesus and Annette His name is Jeffrey. Her name is Julie. They live in South Texas. He's a district superintendent there. He and I have been on the phone with each other a couple, three times a day for the last week. And I'm praying for the people in Texas. I want to go, don't you? And I want to help out. And we'll talk about ways that you can do that even this morning. Hey, let me tell you about one other thing before I preach. And I know I'm kind of taking a minute here or two. But Tim mentioned to you, and don't you love Tim Riggs? Aren't you glad he's part of our church? Tim, that was not a lot of love. I expected more. But anyway, we, we have next Sunday coming up, and uh, it's going to be one of the biggest days we've ever experienced in the history of our church. Do you know why it's going to be one of the biggest days? Because people like you are going to bring somebody with you. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to change some people's lives. So we're saying invite people to come. And here's what the invite sounds like. Hey, we're doing this really cool thing at our church. And our pastor's going to lay it all out Sunday morning. I want to grow. I want to become a better person. Would you come with me and check it out and see if you want to do this 40-day thing with me? So last year when we invited people to come on September the 11th, we had more people here than we've had in a long time. And so many of those people have continued to come. Do you know why? Because somebody said to them, what if you and I do this 40-day thing together. And people are looking for connectivity, and people are looking for somebody to journey through life with, that they say yes. And they come all six weeks. I talked to a guy this week. His first Sunday was September the 11th last year. And he said, I love this church. I never miss. I'm so hungry for more of God in my life. And he's serving. He does serve. He serves every Sunday here. It's just awesome. And so there's people in your life. All of you high school students sitting right here to my left, I love you guys. I'm so glad you're part of this church. Who could you bring with you next Sunday? You got a lot of friends on Wednesday night who maybe don't have a Sunday morning church. Would you think and pray about who you might bring with you Sunday? College students over here on my right. Um, you know... Could, could you just maybe say to a friend, you want to do this 40-day thing with me at my church starting Sunday? Would you go check it out Sunday and see if you'd like it? All of these families sitting in the middle and in the back, would you guys just pray about 
who you might bring with you next Sunday. And you know what's going to happen? There are, there are going to be people whose lives are going to be forever changed because some of you invited people to church next Sunday. We're going to talk about church. Do I really need this in my life? How important is it? In a day when people are kind of saying, I'm into Jesus but not into church, we're going to talk about church and we're going to be honest about the fact that there's a lot of pain sometimes in church and sometimes I get hurt at church. And we're just going to be very honest and open about church. So make sure you're here next Sunday, whatever you do, and and bring someone with you. Okay, you ready for a sermon? Oh, you've convinced me. So Jesus says, you know, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. This is Jesus, okay? Jesus says, you know, I didn't show up so that people would like serve me. I came because I wanted to serve people. And so when I think about you and me becoming more like Jesus, that, that makes me ask a lot of questions about, so for me to become more like Jesus, what does that mean about me living a life of serving others? So I think that when we think about service, I think there's three kinds of people. How many kinds of people? Okay, here's the first kind of person. The first kind of person is the person who says, I want to serve and I serve, okay? First type of person is the person who says, I want to serve and so I serve. The second type of person is the person who says, I want to serve, but I don't really serve, okay? I want to, but I don't actually do it. And the third kind of person would be the person who says, I don't want to serve and I don't serve, all right? I don't want to do it and I don't do it. So let me go back over here to this first kind of person. The first kind of person who says, I want to serve and so I just serve. And these people are my heroes, Sometimes I run into people here on Sunday morning and I just, they volunteer everywhere. And I just say like, you're the ultimate volunteer. You're amazing. You serve all the time. I mean, I'm looking at people right now. You guys just serve like crazy. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You serve in the church. You serve out of the church. You just serve. You just, you just help people all the time. You're the people who just say, I'll give, I'll go, I'll help, I'll do it. Thank you. From the depths of my heart, do you know how many people it takes to serve just to do church? And then the way you get outside the walls of the church in your community, please hear me say thank you for all you do. Let me talk to the people who say, I want to serve, but I don't. I want to serve, but I don't know that I have the time, or I don't know that I'm qualified, or I don't know that, you know, what do I really have to give? So to you, I want to say this morning, let me help you wade in today. Just wade in. Not dive in, just wait in, just test the waters and see what God does through you. Listen to this and what God does in you when you serve. And for those of you who say, you really shouldn't have sat on the side today. This is not the good side. I don't want to serve and so I don't serve. That's not you. It's just that other mindset. I would just say, I want to pray for you. You pray and let's see what God does to change your heart. To begin to say, life should not be just about me. But life should be about what I could do for somebody else. Now, bottom line today, we're going to talk about one option, one place where you might serve. And I'm just going to say I'm your pastor and I'm going to just shoot straight with you. The reason we're talking about it is because the need is great. 
here at BFC. One option would be an age group ministries. Nursery, children, elementary, mid-high, senior high, university. Those are where the needs are great. After-school program helpers, recreation ministry coaches, all that stuff. So the other night I showed up here on a Wednesday night and I come in the north entrance and there's, there are families just dropping kids off, signing them in. I'm like, wow, you can tell school has started. Everybody's kind of back to church. And, and I was saying hi to families and patting kids on the head and getting hugs. And I was just like, this is awesome. I just love seeing these families bringing children in. And then I walked over to the youth building, the FLC. My goodness. Did you know there are a few hundred teenagers there every Wednesday night. It's amazing. I walked from there over to the Floyd Center later, and it's the first night that university ministry is back up and going after the summer. And there were a few hundred college students over there. I mean, I, I just think about the fact that this year we had almost 400 children at Vacation Bible School. We had a few hundred kids go to church camp. Just get away from everything and focus on God. We had teenagers and children going on missions trips. And I just kind of kick back some days and say, I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church that invests in young people. So here's, here's the bottom line. As, as you are ferociously writing down everything I say right now, write this down also, Okay. Here's the bottom line. You're not going to leave today saying, I don't know what he talked about. You're going to know. Okay, here it is. Bottom line. In the heart of God, it was always his intention that we would teach the next generation the truth of God. Okay? So so in the heart of God, okay, here's how God thinks, here's what God is like, here's who God is. In all of His thinking, in all of His heart, God always intended that we would teach His truth to the next generation. See, God never said, okay, when we get about to the year 2000, the next generation, they don't get to hear. They don't, they don't get to know about Jesus. They don't get to know about me. They don't know about my laws, my dreams for the future. That's when we stop. No, 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 no. He never said we stop. In the heart of God, it's always been this, that we would teach the next generation the truth of God. And so I'm looking over here at teenagers from high school, and you would say, hello, uh, Pastor Rick, I am the next generation. You're talking about me. And I would say, but what if you guys... What if you guys helps us teach the next group? Because here's what I love. Many of you, and I want you to raise your hands in a minute, okay, if you did. But we had 389 kids at VBS. Guess how many workers that requires? Did you know that we had 60 high school students helping at VBS? If you did, would you raise your hand really high? Man, look at that. I'm so thankful for you guys. And so wherever you are in life, God is calling you to help teach the next group, the next generation. No matter your age, it's the group that's coming behind you. You invest in them. Now, here's how I know that this is God's will. Grab a Bible with me, and we'll go to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book in, okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm going to start reading with verse 4, okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And this is God's word. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. We'll get the backstory in a minute, okay? 
Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, lean in. Listen to the next sentence. Repeat them again and again. To who? To your children. To the next generation. Because in the heart of God, He's always intended that you would tell the next generation the truth of God, okay? Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I mean, just keep God's Word in front of you all the time. Talk about it all the time to your kids and to your neighbor's kids and to your friend's kids and to the kids who show up with you at church on Sunday. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land He swore to give you when He made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking about the promised land, right? It is the land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land... Now, this is the big push right here. This is what we've been building to. This is the why. Be careful. Be careful not to do what, Moses? Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. I am so thankful for God's Word. You might be saying, Hey, Rick, why today do you feel it's so important to tell us that we must pass God's truth on to the next generation or the group behind us? Here's why. I hate, I hate it that this is true. I hate this statistic. I wish it was a lie. I wish it was wrong. But in the United States of America today, 70% of high school students, when they graduate from high school, they walk away from the church and from their faith. What? Could this, could it be possible? 70% of high school students, when they graduate from high school, they walk away from the church and their faith. James Avery White in Generation Z, when he talks about this coming generation, he says, it's not like they're thinking about religion and rejecting it. He said, they're not thinking about it at all. It's not like they're thinking about it and making a decision. He said, it's not on the radar. They're walking away. In great numbers. And I live in a world where maybe the highest value is individualism. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to be me. And it bothers me when sociologists describe the American culture as post-Christian. It's like they're saying, we used to be a Christian culture, but now we're not a Christian culture anymore. I mean... Every book that I pick up, I see the words post-Christian culture when it refers to the United States of America. Tell me, what is going on? 
And the reason that I think it's so important for me and you to stop today and talk about it, the fact that God wants us to pass this truth to the next generation is because we are failing at this. And when I look at this group of kids over here that are looking at me and not their phones, I, I, I just say there is no way that I'm going to settle for the fact that 70% of them are going to walk away. That's not going to be our kids. We can't let that happen. So the question is, what do we do? And, and what do you guys do for the kids coming behind you? And so the to-do is really found in the Scripture, okay? There are people who say to me, Pastor Rick, the reason we come here to church is because is because people at this church are helping us raise our kids. When I hear that, I love it. They, they, they say to me, the people here are helping us raise our kids. Do you know that even this service right here on Sunday morning, you, you probably know that at 9 o'clock there's a very traditional service I actually wore a tie to that service this morning and a sport coat, and there's a choir and orchestra. But this church looks around and says, but look at the next generation. And so they they started this service because they said, we we have to somehow pass the truth to the next generation. And they probably don't want to wear a tie to church on Sunday morning. And probably nothing against choirs and orchestras, but they would rather have a band. And so we'll, we'll do this service for them. So the backstory goes like this. People of Israel have been enslaved by Egypt. It's an awesome story in the book of Genesis. God raises up this leader named Moses, and he frees the people from slavery and bondage. Forty years they wander in the desert, and now they're at the end of it. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses says, hey, before you go to the promised land, i got to talk to you, okay? Really big stuff. Before you go into this new land that God has given you, important stuff. you got to keep God's commands, and you got to teach your children to. Because we never want your kids to forget about God. So, what do you... What, what do we do? How, how do we do that? He says, well, number one, you just talk about it. Well, what do you mean we talk about it? Well, you talk about it in the morning when you get up, and you talk about it at night before you go to bed. He, he said, what if you just stopped and prayed with your kids at night before they went to sleep? What if you just shared to them something about God's plan and dreams for their future? What if you talked to them about what God desires for them and how good life can be if they keep Jesus at the center? When you get up in the morning, could you encourage your kids? When they go to bed at night, could you? He says, when you walk along the road. Now, we don't typically walk along the road as a family. Once in a while, Annette and I will take a walk, but mostly we drive along the road. And so when you're in your car and you're driving down the road, do you think you could take a moment to invest in your kids' relationship with Jesus? If it would help... Put it in a cube and put it on your wrist or wear it around your head and put it on your forehead. They were called phylacteries. They didn't really take this literally until years later. But sometimes you'll see a Hasidic Jew and he'll have like a, a leather cube right here with a headband around it. And it's actually a scripture verse in there. Even today you see that on occasion. Why don't you write it on the door frame of your house or on the gates of your house? 
Here's what he's saying. If it helps to frame a verse of Scripture and hang it on your wall, then hang it on your wall. If it helps to wear a bracelet with a Scripture verse on it, put a bracelet on your arm. I don't care what you do. Put a tattoo on if you need to. Just keep the Word of God before you. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So you say, Rick, why would God speak through Moses and say, Teach this stuff to the kids. And you got to understand, in their world, it was community. They didn't think, what's good for me individualistically? They said, what's good for the community? It wasn't like they were raising their kids. They were raising the community's kids. Very different culture from what we live in today. And so it was not a matter of just teaching my kids. It was a matter of, I'm going to teach your kids and your kids and your kids. And so why does God speak through Moses and say, teach your kids and teach the other kids. And, and if you don't hear anything else I say today, I suppose this would be like the one thing I want you to walk out the door with. Are you ready? Youth need you. I'm telling you, they do. They need you. God knew that you have something to offer them that they cannot do for themselves. They need you. You may say, I'm, I'm out of touch. You may be. Um, there, there's people who know they're out of touch, and there's people like me who don't know they're out of touch. They think they're in touch. You know? Um, and so... You know, I, I wish I was cool and groovy. But the fact that I use the words like hip and cruel and groovy probably mean I'm, I'm neither hip, cool, nor groovy, right? <laughs> but I listened to a youth pastor talk the other day and I realized how out of touch I am. He said, you know when, when the first time in America today that a child is exposed to pornography. Do you know when that happens for a child? The average child in America, the first time they see pornography, do you know how old they are? Oh, all of a sudden I got everybody's attention. Wow. Ten. Ten years old. Whoa! <laughs> that is pornography. You want to see more of that? Because there's tons. I mean, you could give your life, you could dedicate yourself to looking at pornography as a full-time job and you would never begin to see just, just a fraction of it. I mean, it's everywhere. There's tons of it. And the youth pastor said, what it is doing, it is wrecking. It is wrecking a generation. But the enemy has got his hand up on us. I mean, he's his leg up. He knows what's up. He knows that we are starving for connectivity. As a society, we are starving for intimacy. And it's so doggone addictive. Sexting when I was a kid... There was no such thing. Taking a, a nude photo and sending it to somebody that I kind of like, what? I don't. 
I'm out of touch. And I'm telling you, young people have so much to navigate through. I, I can't imagine if I had been in their shoes when I was their age. I, I pray about it. I think about it a lot. I mean, they need people in their lives who love them, people who will walk beside them, people who will pray with them, people who will talk to them, people who will mentor them. And we haven't even gotten to things like navigating self-esteem and emotional health and faith and who is God and what is He like and why does He want a relationship with me. We're just, we haven't even gotten to that stuff hardly. They, they need you. That's just the bottom line. I don't know how else to say it. Young people of every age need you. And the people younger than you need you to help them navigate through all of that stuff. And they need to know, and this is the heart of the text, that God is doing something in this world. My, my dad, I, I love my dad. My dad died in February. My sister sent me a text this morning saying, I miss my dad so bad I can't stand it, Ricky. But my dad way too many times would answer my questions like this. Dad, why do I have to do that? And he would say, because I said so. I don't like that answer still to this day. I hate that answer. Dad, why can't I do that? Because I said so. And so as you continue to read the chapter, Moses says, one day your kids are going to ask you, what, what's the meaning of these commandments? Dad, why do I have to do this stuff? And because I said so, or because the Bible says so, it's not going to get it. And what happens with young people today is they, they begin to look at this, you know, do's and don'ts, and I'll never live up to that, and I'll never do it anyway. And so here's the conversation I have with students all the time, and it's probably more so with high school kids that are older or college students. For me, it's conversations with college students more so. And they just say, Pastor Rick, here's what happens. I, I, I see myself in great conflict with what I want and what God wants, okay? It's, there's just... There's just great conflict between those two, what I want and what God wants. And so I feel like I can't even live up to what God wants anyway. And so what I do is instead of changing my behavior to do what God wants, I tend to just change my beliefs to match what I want. I mean, it's a conversation I have over and over again. Pastor Rick, instead of changing my behavior to become what God wants, I find myself changing my beliefs to match what I want. And I just find myself saying, I don't even think I believe that anyway. Or how could that be true when the whole world is saying something else is true? And so instead of changing my behavior to match what God wants, I change my beliefs to match what I want. And so what if we didn't say because we said so? What if we said, do you understand what God is doing? And when you get down to verse 24, there's this awesome, tell your kids what God has done to save us, to redeem us, to rescue us. And what that looks like today is let, let young people know that God is alive and active in this world. And there's not a young person in the room who says, no, the world's in good shape. Everybody knows it's broken. Everybody knows there's pain. Everybody knows something's bad wrong. Everybody knows things aren't as they should be. And somebody needs to fix it. Somebody needs to rescue us and tell them that this is bigger than you and it's bigger than me, that God is in the process of rescuing the world. 
And he wants you to be part of it. And he wants to rescue you. I went to a conference the other day with some staff members from the church here and we're walking out. And I remember walking out of that church into the hot Oklahoma sun and I said to a young gal with us who's on her staff, I said, so how was the workshop you went to? I went to a different one. And she goes, it was awesome. And I said, what, what stood out? Anything? And she goes, yeah, my mind is just reeling. I can't get this off my mind. Here's what they said. They said, here's how we think about working with children and youth at our church. We think that there is so much that's at stake. It is so important. There is so much at stake that we cannot not be experts at this. There is so much on the line that we cannot not be experts. And you go back to the text and Moses says, here's what you can't let happen. There's too much at stake. You cannot let this generation walk away from God. If they do, what do they have? You can't let them forget what the Lord has done. So dream with me for a minute, okay? What if you said there's too much at stake? And, and what would your story be if you began to give yourself to helping the next generation know the truth of God? Let me, let me share some stories with you, okay? Sitting over here on my right is a sweet lady whose name is Paula Anderson. And Paula says, every week when I volunteer at the after-school program, I look forward to using my God-given talents and gifts to reach children in the after-school program through tutoring. God has found a way to still use my training and career to make a difference in the lives of these kids. Do you know Brighton Smith? He's a college student. Brighton grew up attending this church. He volunteers in leading a small group. He's a sophomore uh, in college. And Brighton says, small groups was a big part of my walk with God when I was in high school and middle school. The accountability, the friendship, the genuine conversations, they impacted my life so much. And Brighton says, I want to do the same thing for these students. Glenn and Brighton Adams, Glenn Adams leads that group with Brighton. And he says, serving, Glenn Adams says, serving in small groups has challenged me to grow deeper in my faith and be truly authentic 24-7. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is a college student saying, serving has also reminded me to take the focus off myself and to make others a priority in my life. I wanted a way to impact students' lives in a time when good influences are necessary, but they're really hard to come by. You know, Gan Diffie, he works with... Uh, university college students and young adults. He said, I believe serving others is the best way I can honor God for all the blessings in my life. It gives me the opportunity to practice humility and to put away selfishness and to put away pride and to fully practice genuine gratitude for what God has done for me. Listen to what Gan says. Gan says, I answered the call to serve because, because I felt so indebted to God for what he had done in my life. I talked to Jay O'Hare just a moment ago in the foyer. He said, I started serving because I wanted to spend time with my own kids coaching their teams. But I continued to serve because of the amazing relationships that we have built with other kids and families. 
Listen to what Jared says. He says, I even see some of the families without a church home who have joined our community because of those relationships. I just wonder what your story would be if you helped pass the truth of God to the next generation. So every Sunday we preach, we say, okay, it's time to respond to God's Word, right? Sometimes we say come to the altar. Sometimes we say sing a song. Sometimes, So here's the response today. You ready? Take out your cell phone. Never thought I would say that in church, did you? But yes, please, take out your cell phone. If you'll notice the screen, there's a number that you can text to. 555-888. Go ahead and do it. It's not going to mess up your phone or anything. We may blow up the server here at the church, but your phone should be okay. And just, 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 just text the word BFC serve. No space. Just what you see on the screen, okay? And after you do that, in just a few seconds, or maybe more because there's so many of us, uh, you're going to get a text back. And when you get the text back, all you do is just touch the little box. And when you do it, we'll take you directly to our webpage. And that web page will just show you how you can volunteer to serve, okay? And you'll see all those categories. Raise your hand if you get to that point, that you actually get to the page. You're already to the page? Anybody else raise your hand? Just, okay, you're getting there? So you are. We're getting there, okay? And so you just see all those areas. You can serve with kids. You can serve with teens. You can serve with university. You can serve in our campus. You can serve just on and on and on and on and on. Missions, you name it, it's all there. And so you just click on one and look at the opportunities. And then you just click and just fill out a little form that just asks for your name, your phone number, your email. And here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to call you and talk to you about where you might best serve. You know what's kind of funny? We did in this first service. Nobody took out their phone. They just, nobody. So I finally just said, okay, just go to BethanyNaz.org and you'll hit menu and you'll find a place called serve. Yeah, we're all so different, aren't we? But what if you, what if you filled that out? What if you actually begin to pass the truth of God to the next generation? What if you're one of those people who say, Rick, I want to serve, but I don't. What, what if you waited in today? Now, here's a second way, and maybe even to enhance what you've already done or doing now. In the foyer this morning, there's going to be people at tables to talk to you about children and youth and college and even a place to sign up to go on a missions trip next year, okay? Paraguay, Swaziland, Native American Reservation. And you can stop and talk to them. Now let me finish up with the fourth thing that you can do, okay? Texas. Texas. We've talked to you about praying and giving. There's an information sheet in the foyer where the missions table is. Take one of those sheets with you. There's some neat things you can do. As a family, you can make crisis care kits. Instructions are all there. You have to bring it back by Sunday. That's another way to give. But also you can go. And there's three ways you can go. Number one, you go to ncm.org and all the instructions are on the sheet. You just go by yourself. The second way is to get a group of your friends together and say, let's go to Texas together. And what you do is you sign up They contact you and say, okay, we know you're coming. 
Here's the time you'll show up. We're going to have everything ready for you. We'll put you to work when you get here. The third way that you can go is to sign your name on a sheet back at the table saying, I want to go with a team from BFC. I don't really have a team to go with, but I want to go with a group from BFC. So just sign up and they will be contacting you saying, you can go with us. Okay. All right. Man, I'm glad you came today. If I'm going to be more like Jesus, how does he want to transform my life to serve like he served? To say, it's not about me. I didn't come to be served. It's about others. I came to serve. And one area where the need is great is passing God's truth to the next generation. And the reason we have to talk about that is because so many kids are walking away. And so we must share God's word with them and mentor them and love them so that they don't forget about God. And here are some ways that you can serve, okay? All right. So I want you to stand and receive this benediction. How weird does it feel to like hold your hands out? Is that okay? Would you do it? Just receive? It's, it's a posture. You know what I do when I pray? I bow my head. Uh, often I get on my knees when I pray. So this is just about a posture. I am just almost fell, by the way. Um, but here you go. This is, this is from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, okay? Chapter 15, Paul's words to the Corinthians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you as a blessing today. You ready for this? So my dear brothers and sisters, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing, absolutely nothing, you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org.